0: This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, don't all answer at the same time, please. <laughs> all right. What an exciting morning it's been so far. I mean, water baptisms. We've baptized seven people this morning. There have been uh, five, uh, four. Child dedications this morning, I mean, a lot of activity, a lot of, um, just to not minimize it, it's not religious activity, okay? We, we often can look at these things very religiously, like it's just something that we do as a part of our, our religion, but this is actually kingdom activity. This is, and, and you heard Christine gave, gave, gave her a little bit of her testimony of how actually there was this activity happening, the Holy Spirit talking to her turning on the radio, hearing a song, God telling her, hey, this is what you need to do, giving your life over to Jesus Christ. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit that he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. And many of you in this room, you've experienced it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you at one point in your life were lost, just like myself, lost, disconnected, not happy, not finding no purpose in life. And then one day we came into this encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it changed everything for us. It gave us purpose and destiny. It allowed us to live a life that we would have never even been able to dream of when we were lost and disconnected from Christ. And so today, that's what you've been experiencing through water baptism and in child dedication. Parents saying, hey, God, we are committing ourselves to raising this child to know you as their Lord and their Savior. And you're partnering with us as a, as a community, as a church, to work with that, with you and see that realize, you know, as your children start growing up and they get incorporated into, into Life Kids, the, the the amazing things that could happen in their lives. And so, I mean, God is good. Amen? God has been good to us. I mean, there's been so much cool things happen this morning. I think I'm just not going to preach. And I'm just going to pray. Ask, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to... That's hard, actually, for me, just so you know. If somebody said, hey, Rich, you know, Sunday, how about you not preach? I'm like, like, what are you asking? <laughs> All right. Hey, um, I want to do something this morning. There's no, this is not a part of a series or anything like that, but I want to kind of do a little bit of a, a memory lane type of thing for us to talk about where we've been to put what's happened this morning, in fact, if you're here in this service, just take a look around. Look at the people around here. There's probably four or 500 people here this morning. And uh, to put all this stuff in context. I mean, did, did this just happen one day? Did, like one day, you know, uh, close to 900 people said, hey, there's a church down the road, let's go all go to that church. You know, that's, that's not really what happened. In fact, The reason why I want to talk about this is because today, this Sunday, not exactly the same date, but this Sunday, 14 years ago, is when we had our very first service called For Life Church. It's this Sunday. Amen. God's been, yeah. The date, the date was November 20, 2005, and our total launch team, okay, get this. Our total launch team was myself, my wife, and I with our four kids who were teenagers. Uh, my, my, uh, my middle son was, my, my oldest son played the drums. My middle son was the, the audio guy and my youngest son played the bass. And, uh, and, and, and my middle son used to fall asleep at the, at the soundboard. <sighs> like, turn the mic on, turn the mic on Josh back there, you know, and uh, so the total lunch it was my family, the six of us plus Chris and Anna Carey. And, uh, and a young lady by the name of Amy Waldron, who was living in South Dakota, North Dakota, and decided to move to Iowa City to help start this church. That was a total launch team. And we launched on November 20, 2005. And I have to be honest with you, it, it, was, it was okay, you know. We sent 55,000 flyers out to all of Johnson County to invite people to Life Church. And uh, on the first Sunday, we had a response of 76 people. 76 people showed up on the very first Sunday. Yes, yeah, that's, that's cool. Let's clap for that. But let me let me now give you the bad news. <laughs> uh, five weeks later, we were 15 people. <laughs> so, so I have to be honest, you guys. I wake up every morning and I'm like, God. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of challenges around here at Life Church to 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 operate this church to see God do the things that he wants to do, you know, manage budgets and all that kind of stuff that we have work that we have ministry that we have to do hard conversations. Sometimes that we have to have, there is a lot of challenge. There's a lot of work to that, but I still, I wake up every morning, pinching myself saying, God, I can't believe that this is the life that you have chosen for me to live. I am so thankful to what God has done. God has been so good. Um, uh, there's a, there was a study done by some students from Strayer University. They, um, it was kind of a sociological study. They were trying to, to determine how people were guided and acted or try, actually part, it was part of gathering research and data, but the study had to do with how people were affected by their past. And so they put this chalkboard up in, in, a, in a real public area in New York City. And at the very top of the chalkboard, there was this one question, what is your greatest regret? What is your greatest regret? So day after day, people would walk by, they would would write on the chalkboard, you know, I probably would never have done that. I'm like, I am not gonna tell the world what my greatest regret is, even though it was anonymous. But day after day, hundreds and hundreds of people would write on the chalkboard, and then the end of the day would come, the students would take all the data down, they would erase it, and the next day, the same thing, next day, the same thing, next day, the same thing. This happened for about a week or more and then they collected all this data. Here's some of the responses that they, that they collected. Um, what is your greatest regret? Not speaking up, not being a more attentive husband, not spending more time with my family, not saving for retirement, not saying I love you, not saying I'm sorry, not saying no. Not giving her another chance, not asking for help sooner, not being a better friend, and this list goes on and on and on. Regrets that people have. What they found was that there was a word that was used overwhelmingly, and it was the word not. And what they discovered, that what most people would consider regrets are not the things that they have done, the mistakes that they made, what they consider as regrets are the things that they did not do. Opportunities not seized, right? Chances not taken, words not spoken, resolutions not kept. And so I wonder in this crowd here this morning, are any of you in a place where you have these regrets of inaction? Was there an opportunity you were supposed to take, but you never did? Was there a promise you made, but you just never really... Fulfill the promise. So, what I want us to do, what I'm going to do today, kind of going through life church a little bit and then on to what God wants to do in the future, is I want to challenge us to step up. To stop living in those regrets because as truth, truthfully too many of us, our lives are defined by the mistakes that we've made in the past. The, 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 the regrets of inaction seem to inform how we live in the future. And maybe 20 years have passed since that divorce happened or maybe 20 years have passed since you since you really decided to drop out of college. But you still to this day are living the effects of that. That's how you define your life. That's how you you identify yourself. And I want us to step out of that. I want us to start looking towards the future. There's a verse found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. It says, the prophet is speaking about what God is saying. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the waistline. Now, when you read these words, it's easy to assume that what the prophet is talking about is all the regrets and mistakes that we've made in our past. That he's telling us, hey, stop dwelling on those things. You know, don't let those things define your future. Don't let those things occupy your mind to where you're paralyzed in, in the present day because of what you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. It's easy to assume that, and if that's really what God is saying, then I can get on board with that, because all of us, you know, have regrets that we wish we can overcome, forget about, right? And so if that's what God's saying, I think that's, I can dig this text, but that's not really what what the prophet is actually talking about. That's not the point of this verse. It's not about being a prisoner of a negative past. It's really about being a prisoner of a positive past. The prophet's reminding them of how God has been for them in the past, and they have experienced this amazing God, but they're just, they're just remembering those things. See, this is the other kind of past that could hold us back. We look back and we see the seasons of, of life that we wish we could just relive, the good old days, right? We get nostalgic. We ask ourselves, like, why can't it be like it used to be? Why can't I have that life again? Those are the great, good old days. And so God is telling his people stop looking through the rearview mirror. Stop looking through the rearview mirror for your life. I'm doing a new thing, the prophet says. I'm doing a new thing. God is the God of now. God is working now. There's new things he wants to do. I think the prophet is trying to tell him that we need to move from memory. To expectancy, so let me ask you: What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming about? I, I was at a conference a couple of weeks, or maybe it was, I guess, a little over a week ago, in Colorado, and um, there was this speaker, and he's a superintendent of another district, and. He was talking to us, and he, he made this statement. I have to be honest. When he made this statement, at first I didn't grasp it, but then as I started thinking about it, it began to convict me really deeply. This is what he said. He says, when your memories, the things that you remember, when your memories, and oftentimes our memories can be really inflated, right? You ever been there? Like I caught that, you know, 40-pound bass once. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. But when your memories are bigger than your dreams, you need to know that that's the beginning of the end. And at first it didn't register with me until the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and kind of remind me that, and show me that sometimes it's easy for me to talk about, God, what you did back then. And God, how awesome you were with that, in that situation, how awesome you were in that. And those are great, it's great to remember those things. But oftentimes that's what occupies my mind more than God. What is it that you want to do in that person? What is it that you want to do with this church? God has done amazing things here at Life Church and believe me I'm the one that will talk to you, talk to you about that all the time. And I'm thankful for everything that he's done. Today's an example of the things that God is doing. Right? Eight people getting baptized. All these parents dedicating their children. God is doing some amazing things here at Life Church. We have seen, we have seen in the past, we've seen marriages restored miraculously, we've seen people's bodies healed miraculously, we've seen people set free financially, and it's, it's nothing short of a miracle from God. We've seen miracles from God over and over again, but I think that the conviction that the Holy Spirit is bringing on me is that hey, that's great, but don't stay there. I am the God of new things. I am the God of new things. There's so much more that I want to do. So, here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, we're going to go backward a little bit, then we're going to go forward. All right? So, backward is this. We started Life Church, like I said, November 20, 2005. We started Life Church. Uh, and the way that happened was I got a phone call. Let me back up a little bit further than that. In 2004, I got a phone call from a pastor named Glenn Reynolds, uh, another superintendent by the name of Richard Airwood, and another uh, brother, by the pastor by the name of uh, Ray Corlew. I was sitting in the parking lot of of um, of uh, of uh, my son, where my son was playing football. He he was practicing football. He was like 11 years old, Pop Warner football. And uh, I was sitting in the parking lot when I got this phone call. I was not expecting a call from Iowa. I, in fact, I didn't. I had not put any kind of application in to come pastor in Iowa. That was that was not on my radar. Remember, I was living in Huntington Beach, California. Okay, so when these pastor said, hey, we got your application. I'm like, you've got the wrong guy. I didn't apply. What are you talking about? And then they said, we would like you to come and start a church here in Iowa. It's a long story how that happened, but we'd like you to come and start a church here in Iowa City. And I was like, you know, um, did I not tell you that I'm living in Huntington Beach, California? (laughs) And Idaho, I don't even, I've never been to Idaho before, you know. (laughs) That's what it kind of came across like, you know, but I have to be honest with you. That's how I felt, but the Holy Spirit just began to keep convicting me about this. Like, you've been, you've been, you've been praying about God. What's new? What's next? What's new? What's next? What's new? What's next? And I've been, I've been, yeah, Lord. But you know, in Huntington Beach, you know, like in, in sunny weather, you know, with mountains and dirt biking and that kind of stuff. Not, not Ohio, you know. And anyways, just say, I love Iowa. Been here 15 years now. Okay, 14 years. So just. I'm just being a little joking. <laughs> After some time, I, I said, okay, Lord, yes, this is what you're calling us to. And so we, we came here, we started launch services. I think there's a picture here of um, one of our services. It was just a small group of people. Like I said, we, had, we started with 76, but we shrunk down about 15, you know. And what we did for the, we were meeting at the Corville Rec Center here in Corville and, and what it was, it was a set-up tear-down situation, so every day we'd load up the trailer. We'd uh, Every Sunday, we'd load up the trailer, unload the trailer. I mean, it was hard. I have to be honest. Four years of loading up in a trailer, unloading a trailer, loading up in a trailer, unloading a trailer. You know, and I had this gripe with God, like, like in the wintertime, God, let it snow on Tuesday, not Sunday. Sundays, it should never snow in the wintertime. If we're going to be planning a church and we're going to be setting up and tearing down and putting it all on a trailer, you know, that was kind of the, the challenge that we had. It was some difficult times, to be very honest with you. After four years, we'd only grown to about 90 people in attendance. And, and you know, by outside observation, you would think, well, that's not very successful. And, and yet there was this close knit of, of believers. We, we loved each other and we loved what God was doing through us. And there was lives that were already being changed, even though, It wasn't a whole lot of them, you know, and we we felt kind of a challenge with that. I have a picture, uh, actually, of Chris Carey. (laughs) Where's Chris? Hey, hey, Chris. (laughs) That's Chris. I had had to do that. I have to be careful. Now, from now on, I can never let him speak because he'll probably pull up some old picture of mine, too. But uh, uh, in 2009, after some Holy Spirit promptings, we, we took a risk of faith. We... We decided it was time to no longer do the setup teardown model and really to, uh, to just rent a building uh, 24-7. And, uh, and so we, we secured a location in North Liberty, the old bread store in North Liberty. That was our, our location, and we have a picture. This was our very first, our inaugural service. We had about 100 people on that first Sunday there in North Liberty. We were excited. We were pumped. There was so much vision. There was so much excitement. It cost us $240,000 to build this place out for us to be able to use it. Now, to be honest with you, in, in 2010, 9, 10, when that happened, that was like a mountain, that I was never going to be able to scale. I thought, this is impossible, God. There's no way that we're going to ever raise that much money. And what's funny is that, put it in context, This is that was uh, 2010. Here we are you know, like nine years later. Just, just in Kingdom Builders giving this year alone, we've already raised more than that just for Kingdom Builders, just for missions activity. So it's amazing how God is, right? That... What he, at every moment in your life, he's gonna call you into these places of challenge and the, the challenge right now might be simply that, hey, God is inviting you to start tithing and that might be $100 a week or $300 a week. And you're like, I can't afford this, this is too much. It's a mountain that I can't surpass. And yet God, that's a life that he invites us into. He invites us into a life of faith and trusting him. So we got into that building and it was really cool. God began to move in some pretty powerful ways. We began to see the growth there in that building. Uh, in January, we had 100 people. By September, we had to go to two services because we had doubled in attendance. By March of 2013, we went to three services because we were growing so, so rapidly. Cool things were happening. I mean, God was just t- changing people's lives. We, we had a, this is kind of like a portable baptismal. It's a big one, like a mega one, heavy one. But we had one that we would borrow from Heartland Community Church. To uh, and we 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 not borrow we rent it from them like every other month and we would bring it in, we would baptize people in it, and you, it was it was small like you, the two people didn't get in just one, the person getting baptized would get in the in the tank, and the pastor would sit on the outside and do the baptismal. Um, it was but we we were doing it was it was happening on a very regular basis, our building was small. We had outgrown our building so fast. Our parking lot was even smaller. In fact, if you if you were if you were attending Life Church in North Liberty and you had come for two weeks in a row, we're like, "Hey, you're no longer a visitor. You're <laughs> now a regular. You can't park in our parking lot. You have to park across the street or in the bank." Okay. If you park in our parking lot, we're going to ticket you. Tom Dornbusch, where's Tom Dornbusch? Tom Dornbusch is going to ticket you from now. That's we we didn't do that. But it was crazy. There was cars parked everywhere, all the time. And so by 2014, we were well over 400 in attendance, and uh, it, was, uh, it was crazy. It was, it was cool. cool. Cool things were happening. God was moving in people's lives. Young people like Adam, uh, like uh, Zach and Jenny Miller and, and Matt and Kimberly Pelequin were responding to the call of God to go to missions. And so from our church, we sent them out, and they're now in Turkey. We had people like Adam Colossic and Daniel Quimby and Derek Quimby who also felt a call to ministry. And, and they, they also got sent out and now they're serving in ministry, full-time ministry now in our state. I mean, pretty, pretty amazing things happening. And then a few years after the, uh, uh, like that, that, a year after that in 2015, we had our first service in this place. And, you know, now on a regular basis, our attendance is close to 900 each Sunday, in fact, there's about 1,500 people that call Life Church their home church. Amen. Amen. Now, can I? We're just talking numbers and all that, but here's what here's what I want to ask you to do in just a second. We're going to clap again, but you need to you need to understand something very clearly. This is God's work. This is what God has done. I don't have, my team doesn't have, we don't have enough ingenuity to make that happen on our own. Only God can change a heart. Only the Holy Spirit can step into Christine's living room and convict her and say, hey, you need to, you need to give your life to Jesus. It's a, it's a work that only God can do. So let's give God a hand clap this morning, amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. One of the characteristics, maybe overlooked characteristics of Life Church, is this bold faith that is willing to take God honoring risks. And that's been our journey. It's been a journey of taking risks along the way. And saying, God, I don't know how we're going to raise $240,000 for that building in North Liberty, but it's what you want, God, and we're going to go after it. God, I don't know how we're going to buy that land in North Liberty, which we bought some land in North not, I don't know how we're going to get the one point, whatever it was, million, to get into this building. I don't know, Lord. I don't know how we're going to be able to do that, Father. But you're calling us to do it. We're going to step out and we're going to do it because that's what you're calling us to do. And many of you have heard that. And you stepped in, and you said, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a part of the new things that God is doing. So when we read passages like Ephesians 3, where it says that God wants to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, we believe that. We believe that. Those aren't just words on a bi- in the Bible. Those are, those are action items for us. God, you have we have dreams, we have vision, we have plans for the future, but God, you're gonna do even greater than that because it's your work. You're the God of miracles. I read a book a couple years ago called The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus, and the, the title of the book is The Last Arrow, but the subtitle was what really struck me and convicted my heart. The subtitle says, save nothing for the next life. And at first, I didn't really understand the connotation, and he uses this illustration of a movie called Gattaca where two brothers are competing and they're swimming out, and one is definitely a, like a fit specimen, the other one is not so, and, but he's trying, he works really hard, but this time he said he was going to save nothing for the swim back, and so he swam and swam, and he ended up beating his brother. His brother always beat him. Save nothing for the next life. And the idea is that don't allow yourself to get to that ripe old age, whatever that age would be, only to be faced with all the things you have not done for his kingdom. That's what saddens me more than anything else, is that we get, as we get older, and I'm getting older. I don't want to wake up in the morning and say, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have gone after Christ. I wish I would have gone all in for Jesus. I wish I would have joined that small group. I wish I would have given my life to Jesus that day that Pastor Rich gave an opportunity. I don't want to do that. Save nothing, save nothing for the next life. Go all in for Christ. It's a challenge to not settle in, to not allow your memories to become greater than your dreams. This is old hymn of the church. You know it. To God be the glory, great things he has done. I love that hymn, actually. In fact, I can sing that hymn with great conviction, because I've seen God do amazing things. You right here this morning are an example of what I've seen God do. There are individuals in this room that I've seen your lives change and transform, set free from addiction, only because God did that. And so I can sing that song with a great conviction. To God be the glory. I'm not going to sing it out loud because then, you're, then you'll all run away. But to God be the glory, great things he has done. The only thing is I wish there was another verse or whatever it is, chorus line. That would go like this. To God be the glory, great things he will do. Settles our faith. You've heard me say this before many times. <clears throat> it's a quote from Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church. He says, Go after something so big, it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. Go after something so big, it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. So, Life Church, today, 14 years ago, we started on this journey of saving nothing for the next life. We haven't arrived. Are you hearing me? We have not arrived. I have to tell my, myself that, honestly, because I can, I can settle into this. I can. I mean, it's work. I could settle into this, right? But I also believe that God is still calling me at 56 years old, still so calling me to go all in for him. Go all in for Christ, go all in for Christ, go all in for Christ, go all in. Save nothing for the next life. He's not done yet. So we're not gonna sit in rocking chairs on the front porch reminiscing about the good old days. We're not gonna spend more time with our memories and our dreams. That's not what we're gonna do as a church. So here's what's on my heart, I just wanna invite you, we're gonna come to an end here, but two invitations, okay? The first invitation is I want us to invite God. Invite God. Now, let, me, let me be clear here. Uh, God doesn't need an invitation. I mean, he can go wherever he wants to go, whenever he wants to go. He can. He's God. But it's interesting that the Apostle John tells us in Revelation 3.20, Jesus speaking he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Not, behold, I stand at the door and bust it (laughs) down. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Essentially telling us that it's up to us to invite him in. It's up to us to say, God, we want you in this place. We want you moving in our midst. It's up to us to say, God, I want you in my life. God, there's so many other things in my life. There's a broken marriage and there's children that are, that are w- running away from you, God, and there's you know dysfunction with my family and there's loss of employment and, and financial stress and all these other things. And there's all of that stuff in my life. God, I want you in my life. It's an invitation to invite Christ into our life. And so I want something more than anything else is I want us to invite him in. Some of you here You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've thought about it. Maybe you got a little bit scared of walking up here and praying with somebody. Maybe you're a little bit nervous about that. I get that. But nothing will change until you invite Jesus in. Second invitation is to all of us, but maybe it's important that I'm clear of what I'm not inviting you into. I'm not inviting you. It's not an invitation to be a part of an organization that builds buildings and attracts people. It's not, a part of, it's, not a, it's not an invitation to, to, to this organization called Life Church. It's an invitation into a family. That as you ask Jesus Christ into your life, you become a part of this family. Now, it's an imperfect family. We still have a few Uncle Eddie's around in our family. That's true. <laughs> But it's a family that's committed to loving each other and loving the world that we live in and doing everything we can to bring the truth of the gospel to them. It's not an invitation to, you know, to be this religious rule keeper who obsesses over you know, traditions and rituals. No, it's an invitation to be part of a global revival that's gonna usher in the second coming of Christ. It's not an invitation to just come to church a couple times a month, listen, sing some songs and try to stay awake while Pastor Rich preaches. (laughs) And then as soon as he says amen, dart out the back door so you can be the first one out of the parking lot. No. It's an invitation to come and worship as a family together and to engage God. I use that word very strategically, engage God. It's not a time waster. It's not a check on the box. It's, it's not a box that we check off for the for the week. Oh, yeah, I, I went to church this week, check. This is an opportunity for you to walk through these doors with an, a, a, an attitude of prayer. Say, God, I need, to sp- I need you to speak to me today. God, I need you to do something in my life today. God, I need you to change my life. God, I need you to, to work on my behalf. I need you to set my children free. I need you to save my wife or or. It's fixing my marriage, whatever it is, but it's to engage God. That's what this invitation is. It's not an invitation to board a cruise ship where you're gonna get pampered and and waited on. It's an invitation to get on board of a rescue boat where there's, you have to set aside your comfort. There's gonna be some sacrifice involved. We're gonna risk everything to save one person. That's what it's about. It's an invitation to unapologetically stand on the word of God, stand on the word of God with confidence that he's gonna do this again. He hasn't stopped working because he did it back then. He wants to do a new thing. And I can't wait to see what God has yet to do for us. And so as humbly as I know how to say it, I'm asking you to be a part of that. Right now you're a part of our story, our history. That's great. I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that you come here on a, on a weekly basis and you experience Jesus in some in some mystical way. I love that. But I want us to start dreaming together. I want what Life Church is about is not our memory. It's not about the things that we've done. It's not, about, it's not about the servolutions that we did. Remember that servolution back in 2012, how awesome it was? It's about the servolution that we're going to do next week. It's about the lives that are going to be touched next Sunday as you as a family grab bags and you say, Hey, use me, God, as I go to those families and I deliver these, these bags with food and all the fixings for a turkey, turkey meal. I don't want to live in my past. I want to believe God for new things. And I know that that's what you want as well. So I'm challenging you this morning to invite God in. Invite God in. And then for those of you that maybe you're already there, you've already invited God in. Here's the second invitation. Go all in for him. Start dreaming big. It's going to require sacrifice sacrifice maybe that you don't want to say you know when you're part of a rescue boat (laughs) these guys they, they don't like wait till the seas are nice to go out and rescue bodies they go when the seas are choppy they go at their own peril because god wants to use them to save one person and god wants to use all of us to save those who are lost and disconnected so there may be some sacrifice maybe a sacrifice of personal preference Maybe it's a sacrifice of, of uh, time. It's going to be a sacrifice financially. God wants to use us to start dreaming for the future. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> We were, we were, we were going to sing a song. we <laughs> were going to sing a song, Do It Again. And um, what I was going to ask you to do is I was going to ask you to not just sing the words off the wall, but let it be a prayer. God, do it again. God, do it again. I'm not going to rest in the past, Father. I'm dreaming for the future. And I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know where you are. But here's what I'm, what I'm believing God for. In 2020, we're having some amazing things happening. We're starting a campus in Cedar Rapids. Kingdom Builders, man, they are, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna stretch your faith in 2020 with Kingdom Builders. And we're asking you to jump on board, and be a part of that. Don't shrink back. Don't say somebody else will do it. I nah, can't do it. No, we all need to do our part. We all need to sacrifice. We all need to jump on board. Because here's the deal. When you sacrifice... And it might be hard, it might be difficult. 14 years from now, the Lord tarries, we will never regret the sacrifices we've made today. When I look through those pictures, honestly, guys, <laughs> I can't, I, I, I didn't do this for service, but I can't tell you the number of times I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. This was hard. This is so hard. And yet there was a comp- compulsion from God saying, go all in save nothing, save nothing, save nothing for the next life. And today I wake up every morning pinching myself, I can't believe that I'm living this life. And I believe that that's the life that every one of us should and must live. Every single one of us in this room. Amen. Let me pray for you. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to, as I'm praying, I want you to say, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my life to to you, Father. You are my Lord, my Savior. You are now the master of my life. Whatever it is you want to do with my life, here it is. Take it. I want what you want for my life, not what I want. As we're praying. And then after that, let us know that you made that, you prayed that prayer. Our prayer team's here as well. they, They would love to pray with you. Amen, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for all of the great and amazing things that you have done for God you 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 have you have done miracles in our past but father we are believing you for greater things we're believing you for new things we're believing you God that that this time next year we will all tell, be telling stories of how in the, in, 20, in 2020 god you you changed our lives father you you set my children free you gave us hope that we did not have father you are the one that wants to work on our behalf And so god we just we we surrender to you jesus this morning we invite you into this place lord what more than anything else we want your presence in this place And so we invite you in, Father. We invite you into our hearts this morning in Jesus' name.